This episode is all about how our family friend made all the right financial decisions, but didn't get rewarded at all for it when she retired. So if you want to learn how to make the right financial decisions for your life, you'll want to listen to this episode. All right, so I just wanted to talk about um, that one family friend that we've got, the story of uh, her working life and how things uh, ended for her. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that person? Well, this young lady is about, or was about a year older than me, a family friend that we had known for years. And we had um, uh, found out about her, her work history recently um, that she started work when she was 15 years old. She worked for the same employer for 50 years. Well, this is a, this is a young woman who uh, stayed at home to care for her mom when her dad passed away. And then when her mom passed away, uh, she ended up owning the family home. So she never did have a mortgage. She never did have a, a marriage or children or anything like that. And so the whole, the whole story is a true story of someone who was very, very, um, I won't say frugal, but she was very responsible with her money. She uh, didn't have any debt. She saved, had a great savings habit, so she saved all that she was allowed to save her whole life. And she worked an entire career with the same employer, which is also uh, often not the case for a lot of people. Usually people have two or three different jobs or employers and three different uh, places to uh, invest their money for pensions and things like that. But in this particular case, she was uh, the same employer for 50 years, and she ended up uh, retiring in December 2016. So, like you're saying, throughout those years, she was, you know, given the advice, all the traditional financial advice that you would expect from for somebody like that that works in a job for that m- amount of time yeah. and for that kind of saving and not being in debt, which was a really good thing. So, she, you know, she likely had accumulated uh, a lot of money and a lot of um, retirement money and all mm-hmm. those things and had been paying into CPP the whole time and all that stuff. Yep, that's exactly right. She spent most of her life um, being responsible with her money. She paid herself first. That's the cardinal rule that we're all told we should do. Pay yourself first. So she did that. She put that money aside. She invested it in RSPs. Um, all that she was allowed and able to invest during her lifetime because she didn't have other financial commitments. So she was able to do that. Very fortunate for her. And she also paid into the Canada Pension Plan for about 47 years. Um, you're expected to pay into this thing either um, when, once you turn 18 if you're working or um, after 1966, that's the other starting point when the Canada Pension Plan started. Mm-hmm. So she actually paid into it uh, from age 18, which is a total of 47 years. Um, her employer matched those dollars and put them in the uh, for the entire time as well. So, you know, if you think about how much money she may have paid in and her employer put in for 50 years or 47 years, uh, and then the growth on that money during all of those years as well, you could imagine how much money probably has accumulated inside the Canada Pension Plan. But what happened was she ended up retiring. Two months later, she's dead. She dropped dead two months later. So she only got two Canada Pension checks. She was 65 years old. She only received two Canada Pension checks, which was uh, 2000 and some dollars. And her family or the, ben- or the estate received 
um, $2,500 death benefit. That's all. From the that, Canada Pension Plan. That's, that's it. all they received from that's Canada That's all Pension. they got back. Yep. Was 2500 bucks. Yep. Plus those two checks that she received from her date of retirement till the date she passed away. Wow. So it would have been likely like a couple hundred thousand dollars that she would have put into the Canada Pension Plan in the first place. With herself and her employer's With herself portions. and her employer's portions all yeah. the way through. Like we could go back and, and, and run the numbers on all that, but it would have been, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars probably. And all she got back was the 2000 dollars from her two Canada pension checks and the $2,500 death benefit for her estate. The so total, like the total actual grand. amount was $4,685. Right, so and less than $5,000. That she got back out of that Canada, or her family or her beneficiaries got back out of the Canada Pension Plan after a lifetime of paying into it. Yeah. Now, how is that fair? And being diligent and um, using her money as wisely as possible, not living well above her means, right? Um, and not being able to enjoy that money, and nobody else can enjoy it either. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So if she would have just had that money and put it and if she didn't have to pay into the Canada Pension Plan and she put that money aside somewhere else, then that money would be available for her beneficiaries. Yes. Immediately. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So like and the way that the pension plan works right now, the Canada Pension Plan is like no one ever gets, you know, anything other than the death benefit when they pass away. Right. There's no extra payout of anything else. Well, if you're single, widowed, or divorced, that's the end of the plan. It doesn't carry on for somebody else. They say, okay, we're going to square up, and they give you a $2,500 death benefit. That won't even play for, pay for a cremation or a funeral. Yeah. That's the disappointing part. It's not even enough to cover a funeral. Right. It should be 10000 bucks as a minimum, because the average funeral is going to cost at least that to put somebody, put somebody in the ground or bury them or final services. Mm -hmm. right. Every year you paid in, you should get a certain amount of money back for every year you've paid into the Canon Pension Plan. One would think that. Something like that. Yeah, but that's not the case. No. Right. That is not the case. So what else happened to like her investments then when she passed away? Well, that's the other crime. Um, she was very studious at putting money in uh, every year into her RSP. She got her tax deductions, her tax savings, her tax refund for storing that money away. That was the incentive for her to do it. And she accumulated over $400,000 in her RRSPs. Now, that's that's a nice chunk of money to, to go into retirement with, plus her other pensions that she would have been looking forward to. Unfortunately, the way the, the Canada Revenue Agency has designed everything in our government, uh, when you die, when you're single, widowed, or divorced, all of that money gets brought into income and taxed as income in the year that you die. So if you have more than, I'm going to say, it's approximately, if you have more than $200,000, $210,000 in your RRSPs or any other income that you might have received during the year that you die, that money is going to be taxed at the top marginal tax rate. Now, in her case, it was 47.7% back in 2016. Today, it's 49.8%. So almost half of all the money that you socked away and the growth on that money is now going to, half of it's going to go back to the government. Now, how is that fair rather than your family? So you didn't get to use it. You didn't get to enjoy it. And now at the end of the day, when, the, when you're supposed to re reap the rewards of all your savings, half of the government's going to get almost half of it back. That's BC marginal tax bracket. Right. Wow. So 
yeah basically the the her for this case she didn't she didn't have a a husband or children she had a sister and a nephew you know so they the those family members only got like half of exactly yeah, all of her yep. working life savings yeah and she could have named her sister as beneficiary however her estate is still obliged to pay the income taxes on all of that money as income um, so the spouse or having a spouse to name as a beneficiary only temporarily defers the tax where you transfer the money from one to the other, but when the last one dies, it's still whatever's left is brought into income. And the reality is, is most people, they're fearful to spend the money. They think, well, if they, if they lose it or if they spend it, they can't replace it. They're hesitant to pull too much of it out because they're taxed on it, and they're, they don't want to pay any more taxes than they have to. So more often than not, my experience has been after 24 years that most people still have a good chunk of money left in their RSPs, and that's going to be the outcome, unfortunately, and nobody's going to get to enjoy it. And the government's there rubbing their hands saying, thank you very much for the rate of return that you've provided us on your money. Because they're the ones that are the beneficiaries of it. Right. And they're benefiting of it because if you think about it now, now this is, this is what happened with her. She put that money into the RRSPs when she was working and she got a tax credit based on the seed, on the initial amount that she put in. Right. And then that money grew over time until the age of 65 when she passed away. Yeah. And it all comes out as the harvest. It's not the seed anymore. It's the harvest. And the government gets taxed, gets to tax the harvest. At the top tax rate. At the top tax rate. So they're getting the most out of this entire transaction. The amount that she saved is a very small amount in comparison to the amount that they got at right. the end. Exactly. Right. If she would have put that money not even in an RSP somewhere else, the amount that she would have saved on, on the taxes in between would, have, would be like a lot less. Right. Well, this is why it's important where we look to find some other place to put our money where the government doesn't gonna, or isn't going to get half of it uh, at the end of the day. And it's a tax-sheltered uh, tax environment where there is no tax consequences on that money. And that's what people are looking for. And so now people are looking more towards tax-free savings accounts, for example, where at least the interest on that money and the growth is not taxable and they can take it out and use it without having to pay taxes on it. But there is no tax benefit of putting the money in there either. Right. That's right. the trade-off. You've got to pay the taxes at some point. I'd rather pay them now and get that money into a tax-free environment rather than this being the outcome at the end of the day. And now that I'm a widow, I'm in exactly the same position as she was. Right. It's right. the same thing going to happen to me. Right, so start pulling it out now. Well, yeah, it makes pay the tax on it. Pay tax a, on the seed. On whatever years on you harvest. have lower income, you should start paying the, taking some out. Yeah, and try and pay the least amount of tax as possible. Yeah, yeah, T pay the tax. Pay the tax and keep control of your own money and do other things with it that are better scenarios that we can help you figure so, out. So tax-free savings accounts are a good example. And then we've got a concept called the vault that, uh, that we also have that is, is something that um, is a, an awesome solution. Now, there's multiple other places that you can put money, that you can park your money. Right. So, so let me just elaborate a little bit on that. My own personal um, money is locked in. That means it came from a previous pension plan when I was a firefighter. And so it's based on a formula 
and I can only get out so much per year. So I can't take out more money. I can't take out and get it out before I'm uh, 70 or 80 years old. That money's designed to last me until I'm 90 years old. And so I can't get it out any quicker. So here's the problem. We're putting money into RSPs, into pension plans, into Canada Pension, and somebody else is dictating how and when I can get it out and how much I'm going to get. And it's designed to come out in dribs and drabs. So Canada Pension, for example, you can't even get any of it until you're 60 years old. You can't even consider it. No matter how many years you paid in, you can't even think about accessing that money until you're at least 60 and then full Canada pension if you paid into it for 39 years at age 65. Same thing with the locked-in pensions. Maybe you can access it at age 55, but it's going to be like 6 point some percent per year is all you're going to be able to take out. So you can't take more out earlier if you need that money or want it. And in the case of an RSP, you're going to be taxed on it. It's going to get added to any other income that you're currently earning. So it's like being, you're going to be taxed as if it was overtime. Well, how does that make any sense? So you're putting the money in, but if you happen to need it for some unforeseen emergency along the way, or you got a family, uh, you know, financial crisis, or you lose your job, or you have some problems, you can't, you're going to be penalized if you are tempted to use that RSP money, because it's the most expensive money you could possibly get your hands on. And that's a real uh, detriment to using RSPs as well. Totally. So well, the sooner you learn about this and start not contributing to the things that are going to really hinder your future when you get, like, that's this isn't accounting for inflation. This isn't accounting for, um, they say that people are living longer. But around here, the stories are increasing, increasing every single year that we hear of people retiring, and within two years, they're dead. So that's that's a whole nother ball game to even, you know, depending on your job and stuff like that. If you had a job like at the pulp mill or something like that for years and years and years and you've contributed to this um, pension plans and all that stuff, you're going to retire and maybe you weren't in the most healthy environment there. And right. there's going to be other things, other factors that are going to play into this right. that you might not even collect your first pension check or whatever by the time you retire. So right. retire... Or, or start collecting your pension as soon as you can. Mm -hmm. As soon as you're able to, collect it. Yeah. Because yeah. you want to start getting as much out as you can every month mm -hmm. as soon as possible. Yeah, if, you, if you're already in a place right now where you've already relinquished control of your money to somebody else, where it's in a pension plan, it's in a locked-in plan, it's in somewhere where you can't actually get access to it, then that's where you, whatever way you can get access to it, at least at a small amount right now, that's a good idea to get started. But then going forward, like everyone should be thinking about not putting your money in somewhere that's going to have rules attached to it, that you can't have access to it um, in the way that you want it to. Now, that's yeah. what it's called having liquidity. Right. You, ha you can have access to it whenever you want. It's liquid. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, a really important asset of, uh, uh, yeah. aspect of, of money in general, of you having your own money, is having access to it right. whenever you want. So we'll have to save that for that topic for another episode, I think, because that's a, just um, having access to your money uh, with no rules. Is a, is a, there's a lot of different aspects to that. Sure. If you like this episode, you're going to love our free online workshop that explains the concept and many others in more detail. The True Wealth Workshop will give you the tools to get out of debt quicker, get your finances in order the right way. Sign up for the free online workshop 
at mycustombank.com.